Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have a very another very special guest. And before we introduce our guest, I want to give a shout out to our co-host, Corinne French. Hello. So excited to be here with another wonderful superintendent. Yes, very exciting. And before we get into today's conversation, we do want to give a thank you to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is providing hundreds of millions of dollars to public education around the great state of Texas, over $700 million in funding given mm -hmm. to over 190 districts in Texas, zero out-of-pocket to the district, recurring revenue every year, and it's not a grant. Uh, you have to reach out to them to learn more about it. All right. today. We have Superintendent from Columbus ISD, Superintendent Connor. How are you doing today? Very well, very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for making time. We know how busy superintendents get with mm -hmm. you know, all, all, the, all of the different things. I don't know how y'all do it, honestly. Um, if you can, just for our listeners, share a little bit about your background. Uh, well, originally I'm from Massachusetts. I, I, my first 21 years were spent there. My last 40 have been spent here in Texas, but uh, I have been told that I have only 25 uh, letters in my alphabet. So you, you may <laughs> miss some R's and uh, I just hope everybody listening can get past that. Uh, I, I, was a, uh, I was a high school coach and biology teacher for 30 years at, and uh, kind of uh, fell into uh, fell into the central office gig. I was in Galveston. I was at Galveston Ball High School when I hit, and it, we we had lost so many kids, so many athletes that uh, I I was I was told I might have to coach football, which scared the heck out of me. Not that I don't love football because I'm in Texas and I love football, but uh, time commitment and anyway. Long story short, I ended up uh, going back and getting my uh, uh, mid management. Uh, masters. I had gotten my master's at Sam Houston in the early 80s. And uh, I uh, moved from the, from the baseball field to central office. And from central office, I was the director of advanced academics. I moved to Burnett out in the Hill Country, uh, which was, uh, I was the director of curriculum, secondary curriculum. And then I came over to Columbus and I've been the superintendent here for, it's going to start my fourth year. I love, love it. Cool so, I know. So we, 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 this is like our first question we ask people and I love it because everyone has a, everyone's story does seem a bit different. And I always ask this question. Did you know, so you kind of answered my question. I always ask about, did you know, then you would be a superintendent and the answer is no, you didn't, but did you think that you could be, was it, was it something you just thought of like, yeah, maybe someday. Uh, so I, I can I can I'll be honest I I uh, no uh, I, I liked <laughs> coaching I I enjoyed kids adults I could take or leave so I, did, I didn't know <laughs> if this was going to be the the calling but it, you know you just kind of uh, mm -hmm. life takes crazy turns I think interestingly enough today I, earlier today I was meeting with uh, the chief of police in Columbus because we're trying to get uh, things in order in case uh, house bills pass that will say that we have to have a uh, security officer at every uh, campus. So we're just starting the conversation. 
And I was telling him that originally in, in Massachusetts, they had passed a tax rollback, a property tax rollback, which is one of the things that mm -hmm. they're, they're talking about here in Texas. And that's why I'm here. I was mm -hmm. teaching PE uh, to elementary kids who love you and will do anything, you know, just tell, hey, go run to the tree and they coach, can we? And yeah, absolutely. It was just a great life. And then, uh, but they passed this rollback and it cut back property taxes two and a half percent. And by doing that, it cut back a third of the teaching force, the police wow. force and the fire department. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I was a low man on a totem pole. It's a union state. I was there for one year and uh, I ended up in uh, getting my being a grad assistant at Sam Houston. And that's how I ended up in, in Texas. So knowing that we're going to make these huge property taxes, it's always something in the back of my mind, but uh, to be conscious of. Yeah, just curious. So there's a lot going on right now in public ed right now. So what's what's top of your radar? as far as, you know, what you're mo most focused on? Well, uh, obviously, the, the, the changing in accountability school-wise, we, you know, they, we, we want to make sure that we're on top of that. And, uh, but truly, you know, uh, I, I, so I, I can honestly say that uh, I spent my first 25 years in private ed. Uh, I was a baseball coach in, in Houston. And uh, so I, I have the perspective of, of both private ed and public ed, and have spent my last 20 years now in public ed. And now with the the, the push for vouchers, uh, I, I can honestly tell you as a, a person who spent time in, in one of the best private schools in the state of Texas, I think it's the oldest uh, Catholic school in, in uh, the state of Texas, uh, that the public education is... Uh, it does so much more for kids. I, it, it, it shocked me. Now, the interesting thing that uh, with the, the idea of vouchers, it, and I saw that in all other states, that 85% of the recipients of the vouchers are already attending private schools. Mm -hmm. So we're, Absolutely. We're, we're, we're not, it's really not school choice, right? It, or parent choice. Uh, but uh one of the, well, I guess one of the things that has always tickled me is I, I remember well, two or three years ago when we were on a pitch about uh, uh, critical race theory and how we, we don't teach this in the public school. Well, I can tell you in 20 years, I don't know anybody that's ever taught that. However, <laughs> in the private school uh, that I was at, they taught a healing racism. Great class, senior level, but it was in effect uh, the critical race theory. I'm, I'm sure it was part of it. Uh, and yet we're, we're saying that we want to spend public money on private in, private schools and not hold them accountable to what they're teaching. So it's like we're, we're getting two different messages, mm -hmm. I think, in the public sector is that we're saying, hey, you, you can't do this. We're going to control your curriculum. Mm -hmm. But in the private sector, we're saying, hey, we want to give you public funds, but you can do whatever you want, even if it's against what they believe, what is a core principle in, in, in their mind. Mm -hmm. I've, I've always thought that, I, I thought that now that that's really odd. And that, that to me is, is a dichotomy that's very difficult for me to swallow. No, this, it, this is, this is, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, it is, it's, I love that you're, you're, you're saying that and actually talking about that because I was in a, a doc class and they asked us to raise our hand if we knew anything about critical race theory. And this is, we were all educators. Everyone was principal or campus administration level. And 
I was the only person that raised my hand because I have a master's degree in student affairs and we took a cultural competency course. So out of 19 people working on their doctorate, I was the only person that took, took a course and it was part of my higher ed degree. And so I think it's fascinating to me after virtual schooling, when we had an option to see everything our children were, I mean, parents, if we ever wondered what was happening in the classroom being taught, like, of course, we know someone might be throwing an eraser at a friend and we don't know some of the behaviors in a classroom when we're online, but and what, what, what's actually being taught, I think if we were, I think that should have passed, we should have just given that up after COVID. We should realize that was not being taught. That should have just become a, a non-issue. And I'm, I'm shocked that educated people and politicians and just civilians in general haven't realized that that is not being taught. <laughs> Teachers want kids to learn math. They, don't have, they want the basics to be taught. You know, there's so much uh, to keep up with the teaks that there's not enough time in the day to mm -hmm. have what I would consider maybe a, a, a an upper level, but even a fluff course, right? You, you, we, our teachers, I know, and and mm -hmm. I, I've worked in four public schools and all public school systems. We follow the curriculum to a, a, a mm -hmm. T because mm -hmm. we know we we're going to be accountable mm -hmm. for those teaks. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I I, I think it was a kind of a politicization of of something mm -hmm. that wasn't happening. Well, you touch you touch on a good point. Superintendent Connor, it, the oversight in public education is a lot more stringent than the private sector. It's um, so, mm -hmm. and, and granted, there, there may be a teacher or an administrator somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere, you know, that made a mistake at some mm -hmm. point, right? Just like every business, every institution, there's always, and of course, that gets highlighted right and I know what we're doing here on the podcast we're hi highlighting some some really good things I think you know we have over over 50 episodes of uh superintendents and board members mm -hmm. that are just sharing some of the amazing things mm -hmm. going going on but lo love to hear a little bit more about that so you have the experience of private ed versus public ed what are some other benefits of public ed versus private ed well I, so uh, to me uh, it uh, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm in a rural town. Columbus is probably about 5,000 people, give or take. And we have a few other little rural communities. And the beauty of, of this is that you are the local uh, hub. You know, uh, everything kind of revolves around mm -hmm. these kids and what they're accomplishing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, you know, we, our, our goal has always been, uh, even because we're not that far from Katie, we're probably... 45, 50 mile, <clears throat> miles from Katy. So we want to be able to offer our kids what any child in Katy can can do, mm -hmm. but in a more rural setting. So mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of the things that we're doing here uh, to to move our kids, especially in the areas of CTE, you know, uh, being in the in the uh, private schools, there, there was no uh, every child was was set to go to college, and that was it was a college curriculum, which is great, but, you know, as we realize, not everybody uh, will go or needs college, and we've made it a, a kind of our, our, what we're hanging our hat on is that we want to prepare our kids for their future, whether it be college or uh, a career that they could be employable as soon as they graduate high school. 
So that's kind of our goal here. And I, I don't see that as much. I see more well-rounded uh, reaching of kids. You know, we, we're not, we, we're not pigeonholing kids into one area We're we're kind of letting kids be kids and find their niche. Right. I mean, like being a superintendent, I never thought I'd be a superintendent. I, I just like to coach, but you, you, you migrate a, a certain way because it, 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 life just happens and and kids I, I, how i mean i remember being 17 and i didn't know what i wanted to do and it's very difficult to say hey you're this is what you're going to do uh, to being we, we try to offer them a smorgasbord of, of uh, events and activities and then try to migrate their way into what they want to do and i think that's what public ed does better than anybody yeah i agree as far as, far as preparing and you know just just all of the value that's provided there. Um, I feel like private ed's kind of become a shiny object that people think about because it, you know, it costs a lot of money and only certain people can go there. But at the end of the day, is the education better? Not necessarily. It's, I mean, based on the people we've talked to around around the state. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, mean, you know I, I think yes, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think that. Better is such a such a hard word because I homeschooled for many years and I loved it and I it was wonderful. But but things only work when they work. But we have to have a strong public school for anyone who can't afford to homeschool or anyone who can't afford private school. So I think that I feel like the question needs to be is why would you not want public school? Like if you are a person that's in a private school and a family of a private school private school students or homeschool students, why would you not want any other child to have the best possible option. Like, I don't know why we're not asking that. Why would you not? I think it's a valid point. I think that, you know, the, uh, the, the greatness of a small community is, you know, you, you can actually see your future come up mm -hmm. through the ranks. Yeah. And you're trying to prepare these kids to mm -hmm. be there for you or for me when, when we're old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you want to have a strong base or, or and, and I agree with you. I think that especially in a situation like this, where we don't have a, a, a private option for high school, uh, we really have to pour into our kids here because they are going to be running this. They are. Than everybody, you know, knows. Yeah. I love that. That I mean, I think I think of that all the time. That person's going to be my nurse. That person's going to be my my. They're going to be fixing my car. I mean, what? Who who doesn't want their car to run properly? <laughs> you know, Absolutely. who who doesn't want their air conditioner? You know, to, I mean, I want my air conditioner to work this this summer. We're in Texas, you know, and so I think we, like everyone is important. Everyone is every job is important. Every person is important, and and making having a student feel that way when they leave your district. Uh, there's there's nothing better than that because then they'll they're going to feel important to go do whatever work they choose. Like you said, they, you never know. Agreed. So you know, one of the things we did is that we combined with four other rural districts because being as small mm -hmm. as we are, we're, we're we have a high school of a little over 500 kids. Uh, it's it's really difficult. We don't have the economy of scale that a Katie does, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can't. If we we decide to offer a particular uh, CTE track. Uh, we, we we just don't have the numbers of kids that can participate in that. Uh, so what we've done is we've partnered with four other rural districts and Blinn Junior College and uh, started this program called Access, where we're, uh, we we took the 
three most employable positions in Colorado County, where Columbus is, and Fayette County, which is right next to us, where the, some of the other schools are. And uh, we went to the Texas Workforce Commission, and you know they said, hey, the, the three most employable positions in your area are education, uh, home, uh, healthcare, and uh, building trades. So we uh, have brought in education and training and kids who want to go to college route to do that, we're, we're going to offer them at least 40 plus hours of, of college credit. We're, we, we added another ag teacher to come in and do an industrial trade. So we're gonna have our kids trained. And I mean, we have them trained now in welding, but basic carpentry, plumbing, electrical, uh, HVAC, uh, so wow. that they can go out and do that. And then, you know, our goal is to work with our hospital. Our hospital has gone a, undergone a huge renovation here, but to actually put our, our, our kids there in, in, in like a CNA program. So we can actually build out. But the idea is keep the kids in the community uh, mm -hmm. and have them employable, not just at Walmart or uh, mm -hmm. our, 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 a grocery store. Let's give them a career. Mm -hmm. So on that same note, with like plumbing, HVAC, the other trades. So this is preparing students. So when they graduate, they can go work for one of these companies and be ready to ready to go. Does that sound? I, I think it'll, it gives them. Yeah, they'll have a they'll have uh, industry based certificates. But I think it it, uh, it gives them the basic knowledge. Uh, I mean, because then you kind of go off. Right. I mean, there we can teach you a little bit of plumbing, but not enough to be yeah. a, you know, uh, a journeyman plumber, but if that's yeah, where yeah. your interest goes, you can go and take it further and, and, and do that. No, that's great. I know there, I mean, statistics show right now in the HVAC industry and some of the other trades that are out there, there's a shortage right now. So these, these technicians that go into the workforce, they can, they can ask for a, a higher hourly, hourly raise than they ever could have in the past. So that's, Awesome. Just curious, are they doing uh, like hands-on type work as well, or, or is it all uh, like, are they reading about it more theory or? No, it's, it's hands-on. So we, we, uh, uh, we have a, uh, we just spent a, a, a lot of money re-ventilating uh, uh, our ag building for uh, additional welding bays and, uh, and they're doing basic carpentry things. Now we're going to go to the next step where plumbing and all that, but they will actually, it'll be hands-on. So That's awesome. And was has that already been launched or has that kind of been the process of? So uh, yeah, our freshmen this year were the, were the first group to launch it. We've had welding for a long time, but this is the first group that'll go through the four-year program. Wow. I'm That's fascinated so by that. Oh, sorry, Gary. I keep interrupting no. today. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think both of us are. That's why we're talking. Yeah, it's um, it's super exciting. I mean, one of our previous guests, we were talking about an entrepreneurship program that they had at their, their district. And then what you guys are doing and the trades and y'all may be doing entrepreneurship too. Uh, but this is just uh, phenomenal because you, you hear a lot of the, the naysayers out there. And I know today we've talked a lot about like private ed, public ed, um, I don't think people appreciate the level of scrutiny public ed gets, and they also don't appreciate some of the things that are happening that they're not even aware of, and which is it's super exciting. And uh, we talked we talked about so we're doing we're going to be launching a conference here soon talking about disruptive public ed, and we're going to be talking about some of these things that are that are innovative, and we're going to be getting the word out there. 
I think, yeah, and I would love to have you come on again because I think the the you what you said about the partnering with the four districts really that inspires me. I was a trustee for, in a rural district. We were under a thousand ABA when I first started ten years ago on that board. We were six hundred and fifty, so we grew in ten years for sure. But there are things we just cannot provide because of our the, there, it, it doesn't matter how much someone wants it or how um, important it is. We can't provide it unless we partner. And that partnering with uh, when when other rural districts partner together, I think that's brilliant. And I, I think that's one of the things that probably needs to happen more, um, get together. And I think superintendents do an excellent job of that. I know my superintendent at the time, I, he would was constantly on the phone with other superintendents. It's the only way the get job gets done is by sharing ideas, sharing resources at times. So I love the idea and I like the word access too. Um, that's the name of the program, right? Access? Correct, yeah, correct. Yeah, it's an It's an acronym and I'd love to tell you that I remember what the acronym was, was for. No, but, 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 it's, but, it's the idea that you are providing access for the students and, and pathways. I think that's such an important thing. So in, in partnering with other districts, um, that's, that's the way to go, I think in the future for sure. I think so, because I mean, we're the largest of the five districts in it. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Weimar has maybe, I don't think they have a thousand kids in the district. So, and then Fayetteville is even smaller. So I, I can't imagine, you know, if you have a high school of, of maybe a hundred kids, how, how can you provide uh, all those options if you if you aren't partnering with somebody and, and sharing resources? So, mm -hmm. so we got Weimar. I, I do hope it catches on. Mm -hmm. Well, I challenged our, our guest yesterday. Sorry, Gary, I'm going to interrupt you. We challenged our guest yesterday. Sometimes I ask a question like, what are you reading? And, and it's like, because I know our listeners are superintendents and trustees and, and educators and people who want to disrupt public ed and do it in a good way, like making those positive changes. But I think I, I, instead of asking you, and you for, uh, for sure, definitely let us know if there's something we should be reading or you want our listeners to listen to and read. But I think you should make sure your district is talking about that at the Chasby, TASA, Midwinter, all those conferences, because it's, it's, it's hard, you know, you can look on someone's website and see how they did it, possibly the results, but you don't see the, the, the legwork. And I think there are probably templates and things that y'all could share that um, would help other small districts. So I kind of want to challenge you if you're not, for district's not presenting, <laughs> to start presenting. Well, we so with we are presenting. There's a national conference that we're presenting. We're not the the people from Access are good. Uh, and I, I can tell you that, of course, it, like in anything in education, all all great ideas are stolen. And and right. actually, there is a a rural uh, group in East Texas, and I I where, which started this first. It's out in in Jasper, and I I don't remember the name of it, mm -hmm. but it's it's there. Are, it's Jasper Sperger, uh, Kirbyville. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's a there's this they started this idea and they 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 actually built a facility that they all come to uh oh, which wow. we have we have a facility in schulenberg uh that that's where we're going to go down the road <laughs> but we didn't have any data so I, 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 this first year we just wanted to collect data before mm -hmm. we went out and present it because if it didn't work out well then i didn't yeah, want to right. fall on our face in front of a bunch of people so very yeah. cool so you mentioned Weimar, Fayetteville, Columbus. What were the other two in your area? Uh, Flatonia and Schulenburg. Okay. Very good. And then Jasper, uh, Kirbyville, and Spurger. So all of these districts have this type of program where they're getting 
students ready to go into the trades. Is that right? That That's correct. It, it's either college uh, coursework or the trades. So it's it's kind of, and I think the, I think it's called Deep East Texas Rural something. Now that's that's what it's, their acronym is. But oh, you're giving him homework. I love this. I love it. <laughs> yeah, this this is so cool. That uh-huh. this is super exciting. And I I know we're running short on time here, so I'll ask the last question here. Uh, this is a tough one. So I, you know, I got to put on your thinking cap for this one, right? All right. Um, <laughs> If you were to if you were to invite another uh, leader in public education to come on the podcast, who who would you recommend? Shout out! Who do you want Ooh. to interview next? Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll uh, do a shout out to him. <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, uh, I so I my true mentor in 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 what I do is. Uh, Keith McBurnett, who is the superintendent in Burnett. And uh, that's where I came from. And, and I think Keith, is, uh, he's been there for quite a while, maybe 12, 13 years. Uh, very innovative, uh, has brought some, uh, when I was in Burnett, we were the HEB small school district uh, yeah. of, of the year. And uh, Keith had a lot to do with that. And I think his innovation and his, his thinking uh, has, has kind of spurred, has kind of challenged me, but he is a very interesting person, and I think he would be just great for your podcast. Was he um, superintendent of the year? You, so. <laughs> I know we will, and he was superintendent of the year, right? He was. I. He, I, he may have been. I, okay, wait, not, so not wait, while me. I was there, but okay. he, he had. He had. We we were burnt when I was in Burnet. We were the district of the year, and I know. Okay, that's what I'm. Great, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will tell him that you said, and we'll let him know because we would love to have him on. I love that you're saying a mentor. I think we've talked about that before. I know this was our last question, but I want to just give a shout out to anyone who's mentoring future superintendents. It's so important. Find someone in your district that looks like they'd be a great leader. They might not be thinking that they're a great leader. So you as a leader, go find them, go tell them, tap them, tell them that you want to mentor them. Um, I don't know any superintendent that would ever say no to spending some time with the future leader and so yes. i'm excited that you mentioned yours so thank you for that amen to that anybody listening and if you don't have a mentor go get one because mm-hmm. you, you will not get to where you want to go without mm-hmm. a mentor um it's if, if without a mentor you're kind of just operating in a vacuum a little bit so it's mm-hmm. um agreed mm-hmm. we'll appreciate you sharing that um so we will close out and before we close out just want to give a shout out to our sponsor one last time, Ideal Impact, giving hundreds of millions of dollars to districts around the great state of Texas, over $700 million, over 190 districts, zero out of pocket to your district, and it's recurring revenue every year. It's not a grant. So if you would like more funding for your district, for higher teacher salaries, for additional security, or whatever it may be, reach out to Ideal Impact. And for those of y'all that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.